Recorded live, high above planet Earth, inside an abandoned moon base, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Slaughter Film. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another year in review, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> the end of the year. Well, the, the year's been over for a while now, but we need yeah. to catch up on some stuff, and now we're going to tell you about our favorite movies of the, the last year. Yeah, we're going to do <laughs> Slaughter Films Top 5 of 2018, Yeah, which is really the top 23. Something like that. we got a shitload of movies <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> really making it, if we only did five... It'd be boring. It'd be like a 20-minute... Podcast. Exactly. Yeah. No, we got we got to go all out with this. I'm happy we do this sort of stuff. And really, it's just for our our own well being because it's tough to whittle it, it down. It so. really is. Yeah. So, did you have any uh, films this year that came in like strange places? Like I know last year there, and also this year I'll get to it. I have one uh, on my list from uh, from Netflix. Okay. I, I have a few from Netflix. Yeah. Uh, I have a few from various theaters in Cleveland where I saw some movies. Um, one in Euclid, Ohio, which uh, I've never been there before. But yeah. uh, um, And then one, not on mine, but on yours, I know that we got to see from the, the movie house. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all over the place. This year. <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah. I think just about everything on my list, like, uh, it uh, spreads it all over the place. So, I like that. I like that film is available in so many different formats now, you know, so... More yeah, of that. <laughs> I, I appreciate that Netflix and, uh, you know, also Prime and stuff, these streaming services are sort of becoming contenders. Yes. It's yeah. not just the dumping ground for films that studios acquired mm-hmm. or didn't turn out to what they wanted to be and then they had to get rid of them somehow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which um, I'm actually going to talk about that a little more with one of the films I picked. Oh, okay. Uh, for my top list, but... Okay, uh, I, know, I know it makes me happy that um, a movie on both of our lists... Uh, I think uh, I saw in the theater. I drove down to Cleveland to see it. Yeah, and you saw on Shutter, which that's like a great combination. It's like if you want to see it in theater, you can go. If you want to see it on stream, you can do that too. Right, right. Together, why does everything have to be one or the other? Like I hate that the idea that streaming sites are killing movie theaters. It's like yeah. why can't it just be both? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't want one to take from the other, but yeah. I guess it, I don't it, know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's just weird to me. Yeah, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to say too much because there, there's something specific I want to mention with a particular movie. Oh, okay, okay. But it is very much that topic. Okay, so. I gotcha. So. But, All right. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, so 2018 had a lot of films. Did you think it was a good year? I thought it was a great year, actually. Yeah. Um, I went all out. I saw... I, I'm still watching and still catching up with some movies, but I saw... Almost a hundred films uh, from last year. Uh, lots of really great stuff. Lots of stuff that surprised me. Lots of stuff that uh, I thought was good, and then as I thought about it, I thought it was great. So, oh, like, yeah. um, uh, unfortunately, I'm only including on my list because there's just so much stuff that I saw. I'm only including <laughs> stuff that I saw between January and December of 2018. So anything I saw afterwards. So I want to make a little bit of shout out to. If Beale Street Could Talk and Shoplifters, both great movies, but I saw them too late. I didn't want to start changing my list up. Then. Okay. So, 
check those out too. That's, a, that's just a little like throw it out there because they're both excellent. But uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose as a reminder, uh, that goes without saying that this is the best list of the films we've seen. Yes, exactly. Because not everything do we have a chance to. There's only so many hours in the day. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and even availability because sometimes, sure, you know, certain things still haven't made it to like, oh yeah, Netflix that or whatever, uh-huh. and they didn't play at our theater, right, or yeah. anywhere around here. So, so sorry. <laughs> yeah. So if you're like, why wasn't such and such? Why wasn't uh, the uh, Warrior Ballerina about how a young girl defeats cancer and then goes on to the WW? Because that's not a movie. <laughs> Uh, although it probably would play here. <laughs> it probably would play here, yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so it's just what we've seen, obviously, which I, th- I think we've covered a lot of interesting bases. I, I took a look at, uh, you told me a little bit about your list. I looked at mine. It's like, I think we've got just about everything covered of, of what people would be interested in checking out within the year, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, no, there's one in particular, too, that I threw on my list. Yeah. That's making the top five uh, that's sort of like a family movie. Ooh. Ooh, but okay. then there's like, I love it. Horror, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I do try to mix it up a little bit. I love it. That's great. <laughs> so should we dive in? Do you want to kick it off? We'll alternate. Sure. Or no, you you do your runners up, and then I'll do my runners. Yeah, up. we're starting with the honorable mentions. Um, and this year, another great thing about 2018. This was a really great year for women filmmakers. I saw a lot yeah. of great movies uh, directed by women, written by women, and majorly starring women. Um, unfortunately, none of those movies made it into my top five. <laughs> so uh, my honorable mentions, I decided to, it's all female-directed films or films with like predominantly female cast. And I'm starting that off with, appropriately enough, Support the Girls. Uh, I talked about this movie a lot. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it was It's a film about a group of girls working in a Hooters-esque uh, restaurant, so to speak. Okay. Uh, just a day in their life as... Um, the the the, the owner not the owner but like the like head waitress of the place she's like kind of like the assistant manager or something she's the one that handles scheduling and everything yeah she has to deal with all these just tiny fires going on one uh one of their uh waiters waitresses is um hiding out from her abusive boyfriend and she's staying in her place meanwhile our main character is going through a divorce and her husband has been very unhelpful in that and then we got another waitress who is secretly dating one of their like regular customers and they want to keep that in the down low. And then also they're trying to raise money for uh, helping this girl out who's escaping from her abusive boyfriend. So they start a car wash. It just becomes I knew this, it was like, going to be a car yeah, wash. Yeah, it just becomes this whole thing <laughs> while simultaneously dealing with the subtle racism and not so subtle sexism that goes on in a place right, like this. Yeah. I, I guess this is a thing. The, the boss mentions how he doesn't like that they have two black girls working on the same shift because otherwise people will think it's more of an ethnic bar. And I guess <laughs> places like that, they really do that. Like they have one black waitress, one Asian waitress, one Hispanic waitress because if there's too many, they don't want it to be too ethnic. That's yeah. so fucked up. Like... <laughs> Don't want to alienate the majority. Yeah, I guess. I guess I but uh, yeah, just a, a really fun. Hey, they can have titties too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, just a really fun story of a sisterly solidarity. I love the ending. the The final scene, I think, is is great. It made me almost cheer. Um, one complaint: the whole like, story is they're building up to a fight. That's why it's going to be like a real crowded night. And it's a boxing match. And I was like, it should have been UFC. Because I feel like UFC <laughs> packs them in more than boxing yeah. in this day and yeah, age. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> but besides that, uh, yeah, great, great movie. Um, next on my list is You Were Never Really Here, uh, directed by Lynn Ramsey. 
another great, like, uh, really a really intelligent action film. I, I called it uh, Taken for Smart People because it's kind of the same idea of Taken. Joaquin Phoenix plays an ex-Special Forces guy who now um, uh, works as sort of like a private investigator to find girls that have been sold into human trafficking or sex slavery get them back, and also punish the people that have taken them. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is fucking jacked in this movie. I don't know how much pounds of muscle he put on, but he is huge. And um, I like the idea of this, like an action movie directed by a woman. I think that it has like a, a different touch to it, you know, because you're waiting for those like big action moments and they never come. They, yeah. they never really like let you have that uh, perverse satisfaction. I mean, the big action scene where he's beating, like going through a house, just beating the shit out of people with a hammer. It's all taken from security cameras and it's completely silent. It just has, it, it, it has more of like a, I don't know, like skeezy feel to it. It's like, you want to <laughs> see him punish these guys and it happens. You're like, Oh, that's, that was kind of weird feeling, right. you know? And, uh, my there favorite, were no one-liners yeah, <laughs> my, my, one of my favorite, uh, death scenes when the hero and the villain square off and the villain gets mortally wounded and you think it's going to be like some, you know, talk tough, you know, see you in hell or something like that. But <laughs> right. the guy just gets scared and says, you know, I don't want to die and asks the hero to hold his hand as he dies. And he does. Like, that's, that's the scene in the movie, the hero and villain holding hands as the villain is dying because it's like he just wants that one last moment of human connection, which there are two movies where that happens, where someone dying asks the person who killed him to give him, like, one last piece of connection. I can't mention the other one where that happens is because that's a big spoiler for the movie. But, yeah, a really, <laughs> okay. really interesting take on what should just be dumb action schlock, uh, leading to one of the best endings, which I, I can't really tell, to, I can't really say too much because it will give a lot away, but it, like, blew my mind. I was like, what, this happened? And then it's kind of a twist, and I was like, oh, no, now this is happening, you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it'll kind of make you feel like shit, but that's kind of the point. Okay. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Leave No Trace, a uh, great film by Deborah Granick, the director of Winter's Bone, a uh, film about a, a man and his daughter who have been living in a public park for years because he is a, an Iraq war veteran, and he can't live in, like, the noise of the city because it activates his PTSD and shit. So they've just been living in this, like, public park, and they get found out, and they essentially have to, like, get reintegrated into the world. And it's a heartbreaking story, but an interesting story about, you know, growing up and also, you know, living with PTSD and everything. Um, ben Foster is great as the father, and Thomas St. Harcourt McKenzie. This director is the one who discovered Jennifer Lawrence when she did uh, oh, Winter's yeah. Bone. And I was like... Is she going to be the new Jennifer Lawrence? Because I think that she's good enough to like go places. So I ho I'm hoping to see more of Thomas Saint Mackenzie. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a really sad story of sometimes even though you still love your family, sometimes to move on with your life, you have to kind of let them go a little bit, and it leads to some heavy feels. Um, <laughs> uh, great direction. Uh, she somehow able to film the woods either as, like, safe and comforting or dark and foreboding, depending on what the character's frame of mind is. Uh, and just, yeah, a really just interesting, nice story. Also, it's rated PG, which... How often do you see, like, non-animated like films that are rated PG? And, like, well, as I thought about it, I was like... I mean, the subject matter is kind of heavy, but I don't think that there's a single swear word in this movie, now that I'm thinking about it. But I was like... I don't know, you just, usually they at least get a PG-13 just because. Like, yeah, right. But it's like, eh, I like it. Like, <laughs> bring back the PG rating for some of these movies, you know. Um, next up is a film called Zama, a foreign film uh, from Argentina. 
directed by Lucretia Martel. Uh, I've only seen one of our one other of her films, uh, The Headless Woman, which I didn't really get, and I think I need to watch it again because I wasn't really in the right headspace when I watched that movie. But Zama is excellent. Uh, a film about takes place during the colonial days in Argentina, and a, a Spanish. It was actually Argentinian, but he's part of the Spanish army is waiting for uh, a big promotion he's going to get that never comes. And to pass the time, he sort of like tries to um, keep the peace with the, the natives and the you know, Spanish government, and also tries to hunt down a bandit who seems to constantly die but also come back because, <laughs> hey, surprise, he's not really a person. He's just kind of an ideal that they have around. So he's hunting somebody that doesn't really exist, which is like the, the perfect... Um, you know, metaphor for the, the sort of like silly, almost futility of, you know, having a, 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 a um, stranglehold over a land. You know, nobody can actually own land. It's just there, you right. know. Kind of an interesting combination. Was, I, was, I was thinking a lot of uh, Stanley Kubrick's uh, Barry Lyndon, which is a great movie. And then later on, with talking talk about colonialism, stuff, it sort of feels like Werner Herzog's uh, Cobra Verde. So a weird combination of uh, Kubrick and Herzog. But it's very much also Martel's film because she's Ar- Argentinian. It's, it's very much about the history of Argentina. Uh, beautifully shot, really strange and weird film. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's on Amazon right now. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those ones where I was like, I really like this. I can't really put my finger on what it is, but it's just kind of bizarre and cool. I like that. <laughs> and then finally, in our list of uh, girl power movies, I have Let the Sun Shine In by Claire Denis, who also made uh, Beau Travail, which is on one of my top 50 lists. Um, I didn't go to see us in the theater because it was like, it says it was a romantic comedy and I was like, eh, I don't know. Then I saw it was made by her and I was like, oh, so I watched it later on. It was my long journey of getting a movie that ended up having no subtitles and I ended up printing up subtitles so I could read it as I watched the movie. <laughs> right, right. It was worth it because it's, it's really an interesting story about a, a middle-aged woman trying to find love and just uh, finding it in all the worst ways. I mean, she is with a man who is married and won't give up his wife, so that's already a futile, like, gesture right there. An actor who's, like, really intense, but also a horrible alcoholic. Uh, and then a man that, you know, might work out, but she kind of sabotages her herself because they're not from the same social class, which, like, who fucking cares? But she doesn't want, <laughs> she doesn't know what her friends will think. So, yeah, it's an interesting, just, like, human story where even when the characters are acting like complete selfish children... There's still like so much humanity in there. It actually made me feel a lot of like a like an Eric Romare film, and uh, this inspired me to watch Romare's Pauline at the Beach, which has a lot of similar themes and everything. Uh, Juliette Binoche, who's probably my favorite actress of all time, still proves that she's uh, a terrific actress. Um, she's uh, I don't want to be too much of a perv, but the opening shot is just a. <laughs> shot of her topless and she's still got it going on you know but uh not that i'm not gonna be sleazy i mean it just is a really like interesting human you know uh very warm story about love i mean it's weird i think i wanted to support this film because claire denis is one of like the best filmmakers working today and this wasn't even in the running for the palm Dior at the Cannes film festival because people like me probably were like oh it's romantic comedy but it's like, love is one of the most important subjects to talk about. Like, why isn't that as important as, like, some of these other stories, you know? So I, I, I was, like, giving it more than that. But um, it is still really good. And we get, we get to the end, which has a both literally and figuratively larger-than-life cameo at the end. Uh, and I love the idea of the end credits running as the end scene is going on, sort of implying that life keeps going. There, there's no beginning, middle, or end. It just, you know, you, you just keep rolling with the punches as you go. Uh, I don't know, again, hard to put my finger on what makes it so great, but I just, uh, it really struck me. So 
Those are my honorable mentions. Okay. <laughs> so what are my five? Mm -hmm. uh, I guess in no particular order. Okay. Uh, there are less uh, of a theme. That oh, yeah. Like. <laughs> uh, I'll start with Black Klansman. Oh, cool. Yep. Um, from uh, Spike Lee mm -hmm. returning mm -hmm. uh, to be angry about being black. <laughs> yeah. Uh, based on a, a true story about a black man who was a, working an investigation into a uh, uh, white supremacist group. Yeah, right. And you're thinking, well, how does that work? <laughs> I've seen this, Chappelle's show. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, so he is teamed up with a, a uh, white police officer mm -hmm. who plays the part. So they're essentially one person. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but what I liked about it was it, it told an interesting story of a mm -hmm. place and time, mm -hmm. and I feel like even as a 30-something, I'm still learning about race in this country oh, sure. just as time goes on. Like little things that I didn't, didn't – you didn't teach in school. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, sure, you learn about, you know, we had slavery and there were civil rights, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of stuff in between that – you know, maybe it uh, is it the safest thing to teach kids. You know, that <laughs> yeah, sort of thing. I know what so you mean. <laughs> I, I love that these movies keep coming out. Um, I know last year we talked a lot about uh, Get Out. Yes, yes. Uh, but anyway, back to Black Klansman. It's an right. interesting story and an interesting time in uh, American history. Right, yeah. And uh, it's just really well acted, really interesting. Um, but my only real gripe about it was, and that's what made it probably fall onto the honorable mentions, was oh. that the bad guys... Were <laughs> yeah, we discussed like this. too goofy, like they were intentionally goofy. <laughs> yeah, and I was torn because on one hand, you're kind of taking the piss out of the bad guy. Like, yeah, if they're that bad, you want to you want to hate show them. them yeah, be, exactly. But <laughs> but they're just doofy good old boys. They're backwoods rednecks. I mean, <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> but then there's also like a you know if you make light of them, sure, you're parroting what they are. You're you're intentionally diminishing what they are. Sure, yeah. For a positive reason, which uh, you know, uh, the great dictator did the same thing with the Nazis. Right. Stuff, so. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah, I think it's a good, a, a very good movie. It's worth checking out. Uh, you learned something. It has one of the best <laughs> endings, I think. Uh, I the movie it wasn't wasn't my favorite movie of the year, but I think that ending might be my favorite movie yeah. ending of the year because wow. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, next one on the list is Revenge, which was on oh, nice. Shudder as a Shudder exclusive. Yeah, I haven't seen this yet. And this one I thought was re acted really well and filmed really well. It's about a young girl who's uh, in this, I don't know, she's like the side piece of some wealthy guy. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. And so they go on this like little resort together to spend a weekend together. And mm -hmm. he has planned a hunting trip. So when he she leaves, his buddies are going to show up. Okay. But they show up early. Okay. And so they spend the night together, you know, just kind of drinking, being friendly. And she, being a young woman, is dancing, being attractive. Sure. Being sexy, because she is. You know what I mean? She's just right. living life. But uh, his friends are the type who are like, well, you were dancing with me. Oh, God. So now I expect something more. Fuck them. Oh, so it's, it's a little Christ. bit of like a rape and revenge movie. Yeah. But the way it's filmed and the way the story is, is uh, told, it's very much... Like a, a macho action movie. Okay. Because she's just sur surviving in the desert while they try to hunt her. Um, but uh, 
she totally it's not like once she starts defending herself she's no longer the victim it's not like a final girl situation right she's the one who's dangerous and they totally underestimated her that's and that's why it was getting so much buzz because it was like (laughs) you know all the machismo from action movies Mm kind of flipped a little bit with now that action hero being this woman gotcha that's cool but yeah she's a badass. <laughs> She's uh, great to look at. <laughs> right. I mean, it succeeds. I just wish it had a little more uh, social relevance. Otherwise, it would elevate it higher. Sure. But, but okay. very entertaining. Uh, brutal. Some of oh, the yeah. deaths. Very bloody. Uh, the guys with their wounded look like they're in pain. Very, yeah, totally bloody. I'm now thinking <laughs> of like the very end. But yeah, it's, she does a number on them. Right. And good for her. Good for her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, that next is A Quiet Place. All right. I knew it was going to be on there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, I mean, this one was kind of interesting. And it sort of sets itself up like a Cloverfield mm-hmm. or it could be a cinematic universe. Right, or, right. <laughs> uh, but at its heart, it's just an interesting concept stuck in a sci-fi alien invasion movie yeah. where this family has to literally keep quiet. Yeah. And they've changed the way they even live their lives, <laughs> and, you know, uh, sustaining themselves by growing food and stuff out in the in the country. But, mm-hmm. uh, like, all the paths around the house are uh, paved with sand because it's quieter to walk, you know. So right. it's changed their whole way they live. Uh, I thought it was a very interesting setup. Yeah. yeah. And I was, like, as soon as I heard it, I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm kind of curious. How is that going to play out? Yeah, right. right. Uh, but uh, some great performances. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, I, I forget the the main little girl's name. Oh yeah, the one that's actually deaf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she's that's really right. Good. She's actually uh, deaf in real life. Mm-hmm. So appropriate casting, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, again, I thought that it was really tense at times. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, emotions between um, the uh, children, especially that little girl and her parents and stuff. Yeah. Uh, sh- she seeming less. Less loved or whatever or because like, she has a disability. Yeah, She's like at a disadvantage, but yet she rises above. Right, yeah. Many strong women in, in our there movies are. is going to be, <laughs> like like be a recurring theme, I think. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's one that after having seen it, you know, it doesn't have like a greater commentary or anything. But I thought it was really good at what it did. Yeah, Um I'm really happy to see a movie become so successful that has such so little dialogue. I mean, yeah, seriously, it's almost like it's, it's a big, <laughs> scary kind of actiony alien movie, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's sort of experimental in that way, mm-hmm. and I give that the film a lot of credit for it because right. a uh, they weren't afraid to do that and put it in theaters, right? Yeah, because the American movie going audience. <laughs> Seems to have trouble dealing with things that aren't a superhero movie right. or whatever, the, you know. Anything that's different. Oh, that was boring again. I'm going to go see the new Spider-Man movie again. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I love that it exists. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely worth your time. Yeah, yeah. The next one is uh, the Halloween Oh, okay. Remake? Yeah. Sequel? Sequel, remake, Um, somewhere in between. (laughs) So, I know you and I had different opinions. Yeah, I wasn't as crazy about it as you were, but that's all right. But I think some of the stuff, it's tough. Like, I don't know what uh, the filmmaker um, or or writer, per se, was, what specific goals were with it. Sure. So, a lot of what I liked about it was kind of me, I mean, I think it's a fine movie. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, scary when it's supposed to be scary and stuff. But uh, a lot of what I really liked about it, I could have just been in my head. 
Yeah, but that's... <laughs> but I don't know if that's... You know, so I, I had a strong reaction to it. Yeah. Uh, but other people probably won't. But I, I liked it so much, I threw it on the list. That's cool. And also, I didn't want to put it closer to my top five because... It isn't exactly original. Yeah, right. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I know where you're coming from, yeah. I, I'd probably hate myself if I had a remake on my top, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> but I liked it a lot, and I'm, I'm excited to own it in the not-too-distant future to rewatch it and mm-hmm. kind of, like, put my theory about it more to task, I guess, okay. when rewatch yeah, right. Thing. But, I don't know, Michael's menacing. He is. Uh, <laughs> again, the women in it are strong and yes. badass. <laughs> You know, it was, it was right. good. Yep. Uh, and then an indie film that none of you saw Oh, <laughs> to round out my honorable mentions, <laughs> uh, which if you get a chance to, check it out. It's it's fun. Yes. It's a, a low-budget <laughs> so, sort of sci-fi movie. Sort of, yeah. Very character-driven. Uh, horror at Gallery K. Yeah. When we say low-budget, we mean low-budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it looks polished. Yes. But it's, for the most part, it's just a few people in a room together. Right, yeah. But what those actors or, and actresses mm-hmm. uh, do with that, I mean, it's really their time to shine. Yeah, they, yeah. They are great. No, I, I love this. Uh, you... Um... You saw this before I did, and we, we presented this at the movie house, and I didn't know what to expect, and I was I, I was digging every minute of yeah, it, so yeah. I'm really happy you showed this to us. Yeah, it's uh, so a um, a couple go to couples therapy, <laughs> and while they're there, you know, they're talking about their their history and mm-hmm. when they met, and you know, one of them had this encounter at a, a art show, yeah. and <laughs> kind of what wasn't quite the same. I'm underselling it but <laughs> right uh, so th- there was like strife between them which explains why they were breaking up and now mm-hmm. at therapy and uh so as they talk more of what happens there and, and each of them has something in their past that sort of hints at there's something underneath the surface not just of their relationship but of like society yeah there's and it sort of it doesn't come out and say this but if you're a fan of Lovecraft, it kind of hits at something else. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it has this great black and white uh, photography. It looks like a Twilight Zone episode, mm-hmm. but prettier, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> even sort of has a Twilight Zone premise also. A little but, bit. Uh, but, yeah, and also it's interesting for the reason that it, it so many movies come out <laughs> where they have, like, an agenda – Right. It, it maybe that's not a bad agenda, but like sure. you know, it's oh, there's gay characters and it's yeah, going to be a yeah. gay story because they're they're making a point about that. Right. You know? Right. Where here there are gay characters and they're, it's not really addressed. No, they're they're just characters. And to me, that's the point. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I'm happy that's happening a lot more in movies. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because around the country, around the world, whatever, there are gay people. Mm-hmm. You go to Starbucks, you get a coffee. <laughs> the person who makes your coffee may be gay. You don't know. Yeah, who right, knows? Right. <laughs> They're just in society seamlessly. And there's uh, a commentary, I guess. It suddenly nods to this, you know, what's beneath society. Yeah, right. Um, is is what or who people really are. Mm-hmm. So it kind of hints that, like, they're, these people are, are hiding in plain sight without actually hiding. I don't right. know. It, it was a yeah. fun... Uh, sci-fi creepy movie i had a blast watching it yeah but then so. it hits t- at something more and <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciated that they were able to do that like the duality of the story there. right right yeah. so that rounds out my honorable mention cool and now we're doing the guilty pleasure guilty pleasure a thing that we added a couple of years ago which i think is really fun because this is a movie i want to talk about but i didn't know if it really belonged on any other 
list besides this one. Yeah. I am talking about Anna and the Apocalypse, uh, <laughs> the, the movie that I went to see just because, fuck it, it's a Christmas movie, it's Christmas time, I'll make for a good review. I ended up freaking loving this movie. Uh, it is a Christmas high school teenage zombie musical, and everything about that is great. Um, I love the songs. I don't know why Hollywood Ending didn't get awards consideration. Oh, I do know why, because it's a movie about zombies. But still, Hollywood Ending is a great song, and um, I like that it is. it does comment on society a little bit. Like, not like anything major, but it just... It's countercultural, and I feel like zombie movies should always be countercultural, which is why I kind of don't like that zombie movies have become so mainstream, because they've kind of, like, are embracing the culture now, you know? Um, yeah, strangely enough, the zombie stuff is the the least interesting, because there's only so many ways you can kill zombies, you know? But right, um, that we haven't seen before. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's got really compelling characters. Uh, it's, it gets pretty emotional and interesting uh, near the end there. And again, I was just I was singing along to the songs like in my head for weeks after this. Um, again, I'm not sure how much other people will take away from this movie, like I did, but I think it's because I went in with just like no expectations at all, and I was I was thoroughly entertained. And you know, if movies are made to be entertaining, nothing beats Christmas zombie musicals. <laughs> so, <laughs> Anna and the Apollos. I said that this might be in my. Um, uh, tradition of movies to watch around Christmas time yeah. every year. I, I might pick this up. Uh, it was a blast. <laughs> All right. So mine is sort of a leftover from my honorable mentions. Oh, okay. Uh, originally, er, early on when I was constructing my list, I picked Clover, Clo- the Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, yeah, right. Not great. <laughs> but it had like some interesting sci-fi stuff that I was happy to see in a movie. Okay. And I thought the, the way that movie was released, which... Right. Shouldn't really change my view of the movie itself. <laughs> yeah. uh, being tied to the Super Bowl last year, and yeah, sort right. of like gave it away, and it was like a really bold way to attract a lot of attention to right. both Netflix and this movie. Right. But uh, <coughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. But uh, so yeah, I had one left over, and I'm like, well, Cloverfield Paradox, <laughs> you're not that good. Uh, so I put uh, Upgrade in its pl- its place. Oh, I really want to see this. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. So it, for those of you who haven't seen it, maybe you have. Uh, it's set in the not too distant future, mm-hmm. where stuff like car. Uh, uh, you know, like gas cars and stuff. Or, right. You know, it's, if you are a gearhead, which this, our main character is, it's the type of future that will have you, like, irritated and sad. <laughs> right. It's like nothing's real. Uh, you know, nothing's, you can't fix anything because right. it's all, like, electronics and stuff. Right. Yeah. And so he is involved in a car accident, which kills his girlfriend or fiance or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, paralyzes him. Okay. But one of his clients, who he fixed up a car for, <laughs> all right, yeah, uh, is like this wealthy uh, uh, Steve Jobs type guy, and he's like, "I can make you walk again. Uh-oh. I've got this uh, thing. Let me put it in your neck." And it's like experimental, so let's not be, you know, yeah, quiet. Right. And this guy's like ready to kill himself, so right. he's like, "Okay, sure." But what it does is it uh, is sort of like a computer inside your body that connects for this guy who's paralyzed connects the signal set from the brain to his body so it's like the it's like telephone yeah essentially (laughs) so then he starts to realize that his car accident wasn't such an accident so he starts to investigate it and he's just an average guy but now he's dealing with like 
hired goods and stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the computer allows him to do uh, physics bending kung fu and shit. <laughs> yeah. It's I saw like, the trailer and it was awesome. It's fucking wild. Yeah. <laughs> so then there's like later on, there's a little bit of, you know, how much mm-hmm. uh, human are you at right. some point. So it kind of touches without ripping off of like Blade Runner, but there's okay. like kind of like a eventually a similar question. But that's cool. But yeah, like a lot of the action is just like crazy. Yeah. yeah. And, and too, while it's happening too, like he's talking to the computer, he's like, why is this happening? How is this? <laughs> he's doing the craziest shit. Why have I not seen this movie? I don't know. <laughs> we should watch it together very soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I got it from Redbox. Okay. So I don't know if it's online right as we speak, but right. we, we should hunt it down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So the top... Oh, the top five? The top five. Yeah, we're, we're going to do... I'll do one and then quarter to one and we'll get all the way to the top ones. Yeah. So starting with number five, <laughs> um, I had to do this because we got to talk about this one. It's Suspiria, yes. the remake of the Dario Argento film. And if it wasn't on your list, it was going to be on my Exactly, yeah. And when you talked about uh, remakes, that is it a remake or a sequel or whatever, yeah. this one is, would you call it a remake or just a different... I think it's inspired by. Yeah, inspired it's by. It's almost like, thing. not that this doesn't ever happen, but like a book was made and then there was a movie interpreting the book. Right. This is like a different take <laughs> on the first movie entirely. Right, right. So yeah, uh, don't... Think about Argento's film because it's, yeah. it's very. I said I think it has more in common with uh, Zulowski's Possession in the fact that the colors are all muted, where the original Spirit is just an explosion of color, um, yeah. and it leans heavily on the the Cold War aspects. So it takes place in a divided uh, Berlin, and there's uh, a lot of political uh, dealings, which I don't really know where they connect. I, I'm trying to like I, I made an interpretation of yeah. what I think it all right. might be. Um, it's essentially a story about people who have been under the thumb of some sort of oppressive system. I mean, yeah. we've got Tilda Swinton in one of her roles playing a guy. The the only the, the cast is all <laughs> women. The only male character is also played by a woman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she um, he his his wife um, <laughs> got taken away by the Nazis, and now he can't find her and everything. So that's one. Now you've got this whole Cold War thing, and we got the uh, West Berlin government sort of like cracking down on extremist groups. They talk about Bader Meinhof a lot in it. Meanwhile, our main character, Dakota Johnson, is like from some extreme Mennonite family where she was being yeah. abused by her mother. They all come to this sort of like dance academy, which, spoilers, but not really, they're actually a coven of witches who are sort of like trying to free themselves from that. But in a sense, it's just another form of control. Yeah. Like, no matter where you go, you're going to be under that sense of control. And then uh, it just leads to buckets of blood. <laughs> um, just a, a, a beautiful, like, dreamlike film. Uh, there's several dream sequences, which uh, I, I think are the most, like, striking and interesting parts of the film. Yeah. Uh, just a weird, like, two-and-a-half-hour acid trip of a movie. Uh, and it, it feels like a movie from the 70s or the early 80s. Uh, they do those... Like fast push-ins and everything, and I, yeah. I it, it was shot on film, I think, because it looks like an older film. You know, some yeah. of those push-ins and everything. So, I, it's just one of those films that I love that it goes where it goes, and yeah. I love that it was playing for as short as it was. It was playing in a theater right next to like Ralph breaks the internet or something. Yeah, right. You know? <laughs> Only for a while. <laughs> Only for a while. Yeah, but. Um, uh, do you have anything to add to it? Uh, this is probably going to turn like a mini review yeah, of right, Suspiria. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, one of the other things, it doesn't so much affect 
Well, that's debatable. The mm-hmm. like the themes of the film, but compared to the original, there's so much more dancing. Oh yes, because the the original, I guess, could have taken place anywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, unless it's just something lost in translation a little bit. But this, like, the dancing is integral to right the film and the, <laughs> these women experience there right yeah and i even think like the magic and how that's performed yeah it's almost like the dancing kind of becomes their ritual um yeah. as the most horrifying scene in the movie shows uh <laughs> a character dances while another character d- down beneath them on the, on the floor below is sort of like being affected by the dance yeah, moves right, right, in right. a horrifying <laughs> bone-breaking bladder emptying <laughs> torture scene and yeah. <laughs> uh, also like you mentioned with the oppression yeah to combat that is just love oh yeah okay because that's like uh, a theme that's there it too. is yeah like a, a lot of like for such a like brutal film it's it's surprisingly uh tender at times i guess yeah. you could say you know? yeah which i was because of that i was sort of picking up a little bit of like alistair crowley which is like okay. rather fun witch stuff and and the witch stuff is Creepy, weird witch stuff. It is very creepy and weird. It isn't just like saying, you know, in a fucking straight-to-video movie, like saying some (laughs) magic words and like there's a chalice of blood. Like it's like creepy and weird and different. That's what makes it feel real, you know? (laughs) So yes, watch for the creepy uh, witch stuff. Stay for the uh, triple shot of my androgynous goddess, Tilda Swinton. (laughs) She plays three parts in this and one of them is a guy. (laughs) (laughs) The other one's a person that looks like a garbage bag. but. You'll have that sometimes. You know? Yeah, strange film. So thank you very much, director of Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on to my number five. Uh-huh. Incredibles 2. Hey, that's a weird segue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, written and directed by uh, Brad Bird, who did the the first Incredibles and Iron Giant, among mm-hmm. others. You know. Yep. So uh, I, I think this is going to be our only superhero movie. Yeah, I think so. Take that, Disney. <laughs> Even though Pixar was like almost Disney was for a while. Disney pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's, it takes place in the aftermath of The Incredibles, mm-hmm. where the superheroes aren't allowed to use their superpowers. So with some uh, provoking, Elastigirl takes on superheroing again to help people, obviously, because she's cool. a superhero. Yeah. Uh, but also to change the public opinion and... Uh, uh, to help, like, allow superheroes again to to repeal the law that outlaws superpowers. Right. So. Yeah. And uh, this is <laughs> happening all while Mister Incredible, the guy who is like always the hero, charging <laughs> you know forward first, you know, for all yeah. those years, stays home to raise the children, <laughs> which is a good thing because, uh, or it's a good thing rather that Elastigirl returns. Right. Uh, and, it, and eventually the rest of the family has to help out uh, because the screed slaver <laughs> the, <laughs> what he's, a great he's name. the new yeah the new villain <laughs> is using everyone's TV and phone and tablets all these screens to hypnotize the public mm-hmm. uh, so he needs to be brought to justice so you can't have that okay that's so good <laughs> yeah. can't just have hypnotized people uh, so I love the design and, and stylized look of the Incredibles films mm-hmm it's like a superhero story, but it's also a little bit of a throwback to sci-fi from like the 30s and 40s. Right, yeah. <laughs> you especially see that with like uh, in, in the first film, the uh, the villain's island. And stuff, right, yeah. <laughs> making giant robots, you know. Yeah. It's like, where's Superman? To come? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a, a fine follow-up to the original. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the children are now, you know, becoming more people, and, and <laughs> baby Jack-Jack has developing powers, okay. which is a handful for Mr. Incredible. Right. Which <laughs> is a whole setup for humor, you know. Right, yeah. uh, I mean, it is a really funny, entertaining heartwarming, touching family film, uh, which I don't think I've ever said that on Slaughter <laughs> Film. You know, so there's there's room for humor and depth and whatever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what stood out to me was the social commentary provided by this <laughs> screen slaver. Because <laughs> uh, in short, society's become enslaved by our devices. Yeah. You know, you see a group of teenagers walking down the street or in the mall. Right. <laughs> They're there together. But, but they're all independently on their phones. They're all in their own little <laughs> world. Yeah, it's fascinating to me. <laughs> so, um, you know, as an adult, I think this is like a fun reminder. Yeah. And I get a kick out of how they work that into this movie. <laughs> but also, I think for children, I think uh, this could be a good lesson to them. Mm-hmm. Like, don't let yourself be, you know, so caught up in this shit. <laughs> yeah, right. On mom and dad's tablet and your phone and stuff. <laughs> and also, for a lot of young moviegoers... This could be like the first time they see a movie that has like some sort of relevance. Right. You know, where it's really about another thing. Right. So that could be like a jumping off port point for like a whole new generation of moviegoers who are passionate about storytelling and stuff. Yeah. Because it isn't just them saving the day. There's like something going on here. This movie's like about something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I like that. It was fun. Uh, it's a great follow up. And it was like a decade later. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Bird said that he, he wasn't interested in making a sequel unless it felt right. Okay. Which is perfect. Right, Compared yeah. to, like, the contractual yeah. sequels where you just got to grind another one out. <laughs> uh, and before yeah. long, there's, like, six of them, and you, you, the party of dies. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I admire that. Yeah, don't make it till you're ready. Yep. Yeah. All right, so that's it for that one. All right, my number four is Sorry to Bother You, and I have been... Gushing about this movie since I saw it. I, I can't believe I haven't showed it to you or everybody yet because I <laughs> fucking love this movie. Uh, this is the one I saw it in the theater and then the next week I brought my brothers to go see it again because I told them how good it was. Uh, easily the best script of the year. Uh, I love that there's so much going on in just every individual scene. Even the like have a cola and smile bitch girl has her own arc. This is a girl <laughs> who she does this thing, have a cola and smile bitch, which is like her protest and then we watch as it sort of like first it becomes a meme on the internet then the cola company starts using it as their own slogan and by the end of the movie (laughs) she's in their commercials you know selling their own product with her with her like protesting it's just a fascinating idea of how like a symbol of protest can be reappropriated by a corporation to be a way to make for them to make more money which is just what this movie is all about okay so the story is about a guy (laughs) Uh, named Cassius Green, Cash for short, get it, right. who's uh, living in his uncle's garage and he decides he's got to get out of here and he's got to like do something with his life, takes a job for Worry Free, which is a company that you can join their company and work for them. You don't get paid, but they take care of everything. They provide you with room and board. They give you three meals a day. It's not slavery because you're signing a voluntary contract. You know, just let, let us take care of it, you know. Weird uh, communism. Yeah, but um, he finds himself, you know, working as a telemarketer, selling shit. And he learns that if he utilizes his white voice, uh, he's suddenly really good at this job. To the point where he's suddenly moving up the corporate ladder. He goes from, like, selling shitty like appliances that don't work to selling like 
uh, <laughs> weapons of war and like all these like crazy things. And uh, he starts to you know get involved in this corporation and learning about their horrible, horrible secrets and their horrible human rights violations. And I make it sound like it's horrifying. And it is, but it's also fucking hilarious. It's the best uh, satire of capitalist society since RoboCop. Uh, the, the most entertaining satire of capitalist society since they live. Like I, I'm like throwing out the big names here because the I, 80s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's really the movie we need right now because um, there, there's so few movies that are so like of their time, you know. And this yeah. one really feels like it because. I mean, the the late stage capitalism hurts everybody, but it especially hurts. Uh, people of color, you know, minorities and everything, because they're already beaten down on this one side. Now, all of a sudden, they've got to almost, like, take away their identity, hence the white voice thing. They've got to sound like what they're not. Or sometimes they have to act really stereotypically of their race, as evidenced by the scene where... Every, all the people at the party assumes that he can rap because he's a black guy and he's like well I can't rap and they essentially like force him to rap for them in the most terrifyingly uncomfortable scene in the movie not called Hereditary <laughs> but uh, it never loses its sense of humor like even though it's saying you know this is really this is stuff your mind to chew on it never forgets to be entertaining about it um, and it's got a twist which I I'll say there's a twist that's all I'm going to say but I tell you I tell everybody this you will never guess what the twist is because it comes so out of left field. (laughs) But then when you watch it, you're like, oh, that perversely makes a lot of sense. (laughs) But you'll you'll never call it... yeah, so much I could talk about. Uh, I cannot believe this didn't get any like recognition for its screenplay because I think it's one of the most well-written films of the year made by uh, Boots Riley, the the rapper of the uh, underground rap group The Coup. I guess this is a lot, like, a lot of these ideas were stuff you wanted to write songs about but then just put it all together in a movie. Um, uh, just, yeah, great story. Like, they even managed to get in a Lethal Weapon reference because one <laughs> of the characters is played by Danny Glover and in a scene when they're all at the bar or whatever, he's like, hey, aren't you going to dance? Like, no, man, I'm too old for that shit. <laughs> Danny Glover's been too old for this shit for 30 years. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I've watched it several times and it, it gets better every single time. Uh, it's horrifying, but also hilarious, which is why I compare it to Robocop or They Live or any, any of those films. Um, and uh, an interesting take on the, the, the new CEO. It's what he calls sort of like uh, friendly friendly capitalism. It's not like the the suited guy who like you know looks down at his employees. It's it's the guy who's like, I'm not your boss. I'm your friend. You know, we're, we're a family. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm a friend who tells you what to do. You know, like that, that sort of thing. It's like the what like the the Steve Jobs or the the Mark Zuckerberg like friendly CEO, but yeah, he's yeah. still exploiting these people (laughs) but yeah uh, I I could talk I could talk about this movie for days but yeah everyone check it out I think it's incredible (laughs) alright so on to my number four yes another Netflix original Cam oh yeah I gotta see this too Uh, directed by Daniel Goldhaber I don't know what else he's done no About a cam girl who is struggling to get by and elevate the popularity of her shows by, you know, going all out and not just shaking her vagina in front of a camera, <laughs> you know, for online tip money. Right, right. <laughs> it's all about the monies. Uh, she's not your friend. It's just monies, guys. Right. Yeah. Uh, but instead, this young girl tries very hard to sort of like make shows interesting and different to both stand out and to be creative. It's like a creative outlet for her. Mm-hmm. Uh but ultimately, this is to draw in and keep an audience. And, okay. Uh, uh, I'm going to spoil a thing. Uh-oh. But it happens early on, so I can't really spoil it. <laughs> like, I think All it's right. in the first yeah, 10 minutes. Yeah. 
But this young lady, after being, you know, bullied uh, by a patron of her cam show, she sort of, like, breaks down and starts to cry because she's like, tries so hard to get this attention. But gotcha. it's not just attention. It's, like, money that she's going to pay her bills with, you know? Right, yeah. And uh, so she breaks down and she reads for a knife and slits her throat. Oh, my God. Surprise, that's just... A show. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but, like, how brutal of a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. To tell someone online, kill yourself. Shit. <laughs> they do it. Damn. Uh, so it's, like, a very believable gimmick that, uh, you know, gets her quite a bit of attention. Uh-huh. People on the cam fucking <laughs> cam community are talking. Yeah, right. And uh, so things really escalate when one morning she tries to log into cam her cam account and... Uh, it, like it rejects her password. She's like, "What the shit?" Oh. So she goes to like the website, and there she is streaming. But it's not oh. her. <laughs> but it, it's like a well, it is her. It's like a doppelganger, right? Yeah. So now she has to like figure out what is happening and how does she correct it. The whole <laughs> while, like it, it is doing all the things that she told herself she wouldn't do for that money oh. and for that attention. I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so now part of it too is like. You know, because she isn't getting the money. Right. Uh, but she's, people are seeing that and thinking it's her and it's changing opinions about her, that sort of thing. Right. So, the first thing, <laughs> the cam community and how performers like this, you know, are often seen less as humans to interact with and know uh, who are providing a service. It's, right. you know, very easily or easy for them, for people, for jerks to treat them, <laughs> you know, uh, like robots like they right. just make demands yeah. oh well whatever you want the money don't you so just do it <laughs> yeah right and so they're kind of like force like robots to do it right like some weird doppelganger <laughs> so she's fighting about you know back against that to keep a hold of her identity and her humanity mm-hmm. but then the other thing i really liked uh spoiler there is an effort to steal the identity of women to perpetuate these cam accounts, essentially automating the business and eliminating the woman. Oh. So, like, they're stealing her face and her personality through, like, algorithms and shit oh just God. to reproduce her to get the money, and then they don't have to pay anyone. That's horrifying, <laughs> because that, that's a thing now, like, the, the deep fake or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, putting Daisy Ridley in a porn movie, it's like, no, don't do this shit. <laughs> well, I mean, if you have to, but don't. <laughs> but, yeah, and that's, you know, an, an interesting thing. That gets brought up because even it, we see like uh, uh, Carrie Fisher in the new Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah, and There's right. movies uh, that address this before, like the Congress, right? Yeah, where it's like, when is a celebrity allowed to die? <laughs> you know what I mean? And do you get to put them in any situation? Exactly. Yeah, that you want because you're like the the, you're the owner CG. of their likeness, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's horrifying. And also, living in a fake news world, how easy is it to deep fake? You know, right. politicians saying things they didn't, and this, that, and the other. Right? Like, yeah. It's just so this move. This movie ended up being like a really interesting, uh, well, like a, a Black Mirror type episode. Yes. How, I was just gonna say, sorry to bother you. It's I, I, I called it uh, Office Space if it was an episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> so. Yeah. There you go. So I, yes. I like that one a lot. Uh, the only downside, I guess, is some of the. Well, all the cam stuff, like the infrastructure of this website, is made up for the movie. Oh, okay. So at times, so. I'm like, I don't know how real this feels, but right. <laughs> I was invested by that point. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is the Black Mirror section of, yeah. our, of our best of list. <laughs> yeah. 
Is that all? Yeah, that is it. Okay. At number three, I uh, have my, my first uh, foreign film on the top five. I've got, speaking of Netflix movies also, we, we're kind of segueing pretty good here. I've got <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Roma, the uh, Alfonso Caron film, uh, the director of Children of Men and Gravity. This is the first film he's made since Gravity. I guess he's been working on it for years because this is a very personal project of his. Um, story takes place in 1970 71 uh, following a, a family, a, a like upper middle class family in Mexico, and uh, their maid. Uh, the maid's got problems going on in her life. You know, uh, she gets pregnant. Uh, she tells her boyfriend, and then he immediately says, "I have to go now." Uh, yeah, you'll see me again sometime. <laughs> yeah, not at all. But then, meanwhile, in the family, uh, was this when he was a governor of California? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but meanwhile, in the family, uh, the husband of the of the family. Says he's going on a business trip, but actually he's running away with the woman he's having an affair with, and the mom doesn't really know how to tell her kids that they're getting divorced, you know. And it sort of becomes a story of these two women uh, from very from different social classes, sort of coming together and finding their solidarity through their support of this whole family of people, you know. Uh, interesting story. It's it's a very episodic film. There's no real story, so to speak. It's just kind of various scenes in the lives of these characters, you know. Um, as per usual with Caron, it's beautifully shot. Uh, it's got a lot of, you know, long unedited takes uh, involving, you know, forest fires and political riots and the various other things that are going on in this film. Uh, all shot in gorgeous black and white. Um, the acting is incredible. I, I love that both uh, Yelitsa Aparicio and Marina de Tavira, who play the the maid and the and the mother respectively, both got Oscar nominations, which rarely ever happens for foreign films. Um, yeah, just it's it's so weird. This is like the the front runner of like all the um, award stuff right now, even though it's a non English speaking film and a Netflix film, which yeah. is just so cool to me. You know, uh, you can see it on Netflix. I wish you got to see it in the theater because Corona said that. Um, it's meant to be experienced on the big screen, but I just love that a film like this is available for everyone to see. Uh, it's hard to just talk, to talk about without just saying it's really good. It's just yeah. so expertly and, and competently made, and uh, it's uh, heartbreaking, but also like really hopeful. You know, it, it's it's everything I love about these kind of like episodic, character-driven stories. So. Everyone that's got Netflix, uh, <laughs> set, set Bird Box aside for a little bit and go check out Roma. Like, I, I want more people to see this movie. You know? <laughs> All right, so that leads me to my number three, mm-hmm. Annihilation. Oh, nice. Yeah. Made by the same guy who did uh, Ex Machina and, yeah. and wrote 28 Days Later. Oh, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> so... If you haven't seen it, I feel like this movie's been out forever because it was like the beginning of. Life, yeah, it right? was right <laughs> uh, about an extraterrestrial event that leaves a small area of the United States under a strange, ever-growing bubble. Yeah, and it looks very much like a bubble that like a child would <laughs> yeah. blow, like a, a big soapy bubble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the government scientists are trying to figure out what is happening, how and why, what is mm-hmm. this thing, you know, how does it work. And the first crew who went in never returned, so now they're sending in a second crew, which is our, our main cast. Right. Uh, a, a group of women, all experts in their different fields. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they're going to discover what's, what's happening. And yeah. <laughs> uh, once they're inside... Nature and the wildlife therein is sort of like breaking down and reforming right. uh, new and different species. <laughs> yeah. Not like, you know, fun like the X-Men mutants, but <laughs> in, a, in a more like haphazard chimera yeah. sort of way. That leads to a horrifying monster bear. <laughs> yeah, right. 
stuff that shouldn't be possible yeah, yeah. Uh, on Earth. <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, so now, like, our cast of uh, interesting ladies must keep their wits and find a way out, and uh, which mo- mostly doesn't happen. Right, yeah. <laughs> And also s- try to stop their own DNA from reshaping itself right, the yeah. longer they're in there, you know? Yeah. So uh, this is going to be, like, a little tough to talk about. Yeah. Aside <laughs> from the wild visuals, the interesting new species, this mm-hmm. movie is pretty great. And I hate that uh, Americans are fucks. Because <laughs> stuff like this, you know, compelling science fiction. Right. That, Build slow tension, <laughs> has action and frights that's combined with ideas about things uh, that are, you know, <laughs> yeah. these are things what make films great. Right, yeah. And what makes film an art form. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what is art? It's, you know, something that's tough to sell, especially <laughs> when it's weird. Yeah, and yeah. And <laughs> even though Hollywood produces it, it doesn't know what to do with it, they get scared. No, they did so, not know how to sell this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so that was true, and also, I guess, like, in parts of Europe, it was released, it was just dumped on Netflix. Yes, uh, yeah, I did know that. <laughs> and so a lot of people now are only seeing it on Netflix because it wasn't in theaters very long. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is the type of movie that should be in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> instead of, you know, all your spandex superhero movies. <laughs> because I feel like watching a movie like this in the theater, that's where the experience is. Yeah, Exactly. And I know, and I'm, I'm hard on them, even though I sort of am one. <laughs> Comic fans will go and see, like, the newest Avengers movie. Right. Like, three times in the theater. Right, right. And all that does is it, like, hogs the theater. <laughs> yeah. So they don't want to spend the, the, or risk putting a movie that someone might not like. Right. So in the future, I was listening to uh, the half the bad guys. Oh yeah, talk about this. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, in the future, movies like this are only going to be available streamingly. Probably. <laughs> and then at the theater, it's just going to be Avengers. You know, uh, Star Wars. Star Wars, <laughs> the new animated movie for kids. Right. Uh, you know, the fat guys falling, like all the lowest common denominator, which is a guarantee to make money. Right. You know. <laughs> So it's just really frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but beyond that rant, <laughs> the film seems to have a recurring theme of cancer and yes. people like dying of cancer. Right. And this shadow uh, shadows the combination of people and animals and the very environment around them. Mm-hmm. As you know, cancer grows inside of humans; it sort of breaks them down and changes them. Right. Right. <clears throat> so I feel like that's the cancer connection. I yeah. Guess. And uh, while the film seems to be, you know, a little bit about cancer and death, I think it's more about life and moving on. Okay. Because uh, several of our characters have had lost loved ones and uh, have struggled to, like, move on past that loss. And this seems to parallel the extraterrestrial thing, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. that arrives on Earth because it doesn't really have an agenda. It's not here to wipe out humanity or anything no, like a lot of, it... like, B sci-fi movies. Right. It's just living, yeah. and by doing that, it's changing. Right, yeah. You know I mean? It's just there <laughs> living, and life always seems to persist. Life uh, finds a way. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And so that is like, you know, uh, is how these people need to, to move on and grow and right. evolve like these creatures inside the bubble. Yeah, I got you know, it. I got so you. your loved one passes because of cancer, or maybe not. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you don't die with them. Right. You've got to like, learn to get by that and, in some ways, become a different person. So yeah, yeah, I, I thought see. it was really interesting. Uh, I wouldn't say 
I don't know. It's the way the story's told is it does it. It gives you just what you need to know. Yeah. It paired with all those wild visuals and stuff. <laughs> it's just right. like a really great movie, especially by the end. Like I won't spoil the climax. But like right. at the edge of my seat, I'm like, you know, the whole time I'm trying to like make sense of it a little bit. You know? <laughs> right. And so by the end, I'm just like, so how does this fit in? What is what am I looking at? <laughs> yeah. And that might might sound like a negative, but it's not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Go see it. Go see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my number two, uh, it's another foreign film. Uh, it's Burning, uh, the new Korean film by uh, Lee Chang Dong. Oh, no, um, it's an old movie. It's an old movie. It's a slasher movie. Oh yeah, no, not the Burning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this film, um, I I loved it when I saw it, but now that I'm thinking about it, I love it even more to the point where I think it will probably be re- recognized in like 20 years or whatever. Yeah. As like a landmark of Korean cinema. Uh, really great story. It's a story about a young man in Korea who he's kind of a loser. He's he's got sort of a job on and off, but he really wants to work as a writer. But he hasn't really written anything yet. He's that kind of guy. Uh, and on one of his like journeys to the store or whatever, he meets a girl who it turns out they went to high school together. Doesn't recognize her because she's had plastic surgery, which I guess Korea is the plastic surgery capital of the world. I didn't know that. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so it's a thing. Um, Be beautiful, but have ugly kids. Yeah. <laughs> right. But um, they hit it off, or maybe he thinks so. Like I think he might think that their relationship is deeper than she's letting on and everything but whatever he as far as he's concerned they've got a relationship going on now he learns that um she's horribly in debt she's like literally drowning in debt but she still decides to go off to africa to go on a safari and when she comes back she brings back a friend of hers who she met there ben played by steven yun from uh, the walking dead who it's weird because i've only ever seen him speaking English. So watching a movie where he's speaking entirely Korean is like yeah, kind of weird. like a, a mind fuck, you know? <laughs> but anyway, uh, he seems like a nice enough guy. He's like, he's clearly very wealthy, um, so he can just travel the world whenever he feels like it. He becomes friends with these two, and instantly our main character sort of like takes a disliking to him. He calls him a Gatsby. He says that Korea is full of Gatsby's, people that were born into wealth, now can just throw it around everywhere. Yeah. Uh, he's sort of like, it almost feels like sour grapes. It's like he's mad at him because he's so wealthy and because he's sort of like moving in on his girl, quote unquote. <laughs> but then we learn about Ben and we learn that he might not be all, you know, peaches either because he tells him about his hobby, which is burning down greenhouses. He finds old, he finds old abandoned greenhouses and sets them on fire to watch them just like completely vanish. Okay. And our main character starts to wonder if maybe that is a metaphor for making people disappear because without giving anything away, halfway through our story becomes kind of a mystery and you don't really know where your loyalties lie because we've got this character who's been following along and he might be kind of an unreliable narrator. We don't really know where he stands in these sort of things. Then we got this other guy who seems like a nice guy, but he seems to have like these like dark things going on. Uh, and it all builds up to a head in an incredible, amazing final scene. I didn't count how long, with it, but the, the final scene is all shot in one unbroken take that must have been at least 10 minutes. Uh, and it's just, I, I can't say anything about it without spoiling everything, but just <laughs> a crazy film, just um, these interesting characters, but also just an interesting story about sort of the class structure in Korea. I don't know much about, but I just know that Lee Chang Dong has said that um, Korea right now is like a powder keg. And he said, probably this is like the rest of the world too. The the rich just keep getting richer while the poor keep feeling more and more beat down. And eventually it's going to come to a head where there's going to be a violent back and forth between yeah. the two of them, you know. And to see that taken in sort of like a, a weird mystery suspense story 
is fascinating. Uh, it's a very slow-moving film. It's two and a half hours long, but uh, I'd recommend checking it out because, uh, again, I, 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 it's one of those things where I just... I'm not sure exactly where they're going because I, I don't really... I'm not that up to speed of the politics in Korea and everything. Right. But I know there's something going on with this, and it's fascinating. I could just watch it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Burning. I, I want to watch it again. I saw it in the theater. Uh, I know I don't think it's available on any format yet, but I'm I'm getting that shit. I'm, I'm hoping that Criterion <laughs> makes, a, makes a copy okay. of it because I will get – Criterion, if you're listening, I will get Burning if you release it. They usually are. They usually are. <laughs> I know you're listening, Criterion. <laughs> All right. So my number two, mm-hmm. Hereditary. Oh, hey. <laughs> uh, maybe you've heard of it. I think I have, yeah. <laughs> the other amazing witch movie from 2018 mm-hmm. uh, about a family who is grieving <laughs> the loss of their grandmother. Mm-hmm. But uh, as this happens, the mother holds much resentment towards her son, and for reasons, and uh, <laughs> well, give too much away. Yeah, if yeah. You don't already know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and as all of this like internal family turmoil, oh turmoil unfolds, it's tense. It's real tense. It almost gave me an anxiety attack. <laughs> yeah. It is discovered slowly and very creepily that the grandmother yeah. had. Uh, Lived a life devoted to Satan. Yeah. <laughs> sort of. It doesn't really come out and it, yeah. share that, but there's enough. She's a witch. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she belongs to a coven, and her grandchildren are sort of pawns in this prophecy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more I talk about the plot, I think I'm doing it hard because yeah. so much of this film is strength in its atmosphere and its mystery yes. and its creepy as shit, and the acting is oh. crazy. Tony Collette is incredible yes. in this movie. <laughs> it's a modern supernatural horror witch movie that has uh, been done better than any of its contemporaries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. You know. uh, also, I love when witchcraft is creepy. Yes. Which I kind of mentioned with Suspiria. Right. It's strange and it makes uh, sense to the participants, but it's more difficult for me to understand. And I hate when it's, again, it's too... Right. Something that it, too generic. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And it's weird and uncomfortable. And No, there's nothing generic about this movie. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't have jump scares. No. <laughs> no. There's one single scene that there's something going on and there's an edit to it. Yeah. That it feels like a jump scare, but it really isn't. It's just, it, 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 I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's the most jarring, it terrifying really cut in movie history. <laughs> because so much of this movie is based in like real life. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't do a lot of fancy, you know, you know how we're talking about 80s action movies. Right. We're talking about like 80s lightning. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no, there's nothing visually no. uh, supernatural yeah. uh, up until like the later parts of the movie. And even then it's not that corny. Right, right. So when the shit hits the fan or the wall or whatever... <laughs> Uh, you know, you have this sort of like dread and fear, and a lot of lot of great uh, environment. Just a lot of stuff happens at night. Yeah, that, that really lends itself to being creepy. And this movie made me uncomfortable, and I mean that yeah. in the best way. I mean, it wasn't a fun movie to sit through, but I enjoyed the experience. If yeah. that makes any sense, you know? yeah. <laughs> and the ending. It's funny because it sort of reveals itself yeah. and whatever happens because spoilers. Yeah. But I was just like, cool. <laughs> and I know other people saw that. And they were like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe that says something about me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's great. 
everything yeah. you've heard positive oh yeah is reality go see it <laughs> no it was terrible I only, I only jumped once oh yeah <laughs> you need more jump scares yeah. I, I didn't get it <laughs> so that leads us to my number one which is no surprise to anyone who's talked to me about movies this entire year my number one is First Reform, directed by Paul Schrader, uh, the writer of such films as Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. Uh, and it's not surprising because I, I said this film kind of feels like if Taxi Driver was directed by Ingmar Bergman. Um, it's, it's a film about a um, Dutch Protestant minister who's in a crumbling old church on the verge of its 250th anniversary uh, in the shadow of one of those giant like mega churches. Oh. Uh, he's already a depressed alcoholic because he was like, from a military family. Like all of his, all of his like ancestors or whatever fought in wars. He kind of pushed his son to fight in this war and then six months later he was killed in Iraq. Ugh. So he sort of sent his son out to die for a cause that nobody really knows what it was for or whatever, you know. Yeah. So there's that going on. Tradition. Yeah. But um, on top of that, he gets a visit from a woman who wants him to talk to her husband because he's an environmentalist who has sort of become radicalized because nothing's changing as far as he like we've been told constantly that global warming's happening, the yeah. ice caps are building. Like we're 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 at the t- the moment of like irreversible damage yeah. and nothing's happened. Um Long story short, uh, our, our hero sort of like takes that with him and it, it sort of like shakes him to his core as he realizes we are killing the earth and nobody's doing anything about it. And he sort of like wants the church to be a, a spokesperson for that. But immediately he start, starts getting accused of being too political or whatever. And I was like, when did the protecting of the earth become a political <laughs> issue? But apparently it did. Right. And yeah, it just, it's full of just sheer existential despair of his life of where the church stands, of where the earth stands, of, like, all these things that he didn't really, like, partake in, but just through existing, he's complicit in. Uh, And he he wonders where God stands in all of this. And the big question, the horrifying question this movie asks is, who can know the mind of God? Because he he talks to the, you know, minister of the megachurch about about how, you know, the church could be a leader in this sort of thing. We, we could be at the, the forefront. And he says, well, we can't do that because we've got a lot the donations coming to this church right. from certain things. He said, <laughs> but who knows? Maybe it's just part of God's plan. You know, God said he would bring about the Armageddon. Maybe this is his way, you know? And we watch as uh, uh, this, this uh, minister, played by Ethan Hawke, giving, in my opinion, one of the best performances of the decade, uh, watching him go from sort of like, uh, depression to misery to despair to finally just like sheer like unbridled rage. I mean, it's become a meme now, but there's a reason for that because you just you just feel the um, exertion in his voice when he says somebody's got to do something, you know. And right. what that something is, in his case, it might become ra- radicalized himself. I don't want to give too much away. Uh, but he starts to become, well, they're not going to make these changes. I'll make them change type of thing, you know. <laughs> I know it was heavily inspired by, I mean, Paul Schrader's entire work has been inspired by uh, the films of Robert Bresson. I haven't seen enough Bresson films. But I know this one especially is inspired by Diary of a Country Priest. Kind of the same idea, except in that one, film in 77, it was dealing with um, nuclear war and nuclear uh, annihilation. This is, has replaced that with... Um, uh, environmental things but um the the uh despair and the you know paranoia and everything is still there and uh there's been controversy about the ending a lot of people don't seem to like it i fucking love it because it's (laughs) it's the perfect ending that we have i mean 
what else can you do? I mean, again, without giving anything away, like, what else can be done? Like, you can lash out violently. That won't change anything. You could just say, I'm done. I'm out. I'm just going to take myself out of this whole equation. What does that do? Pretty much all you're asking is just to lean on to somebody else. Won't change anything. The Earth's still fucked. But we've got warmth. We've got human compassion. And then... Hard cut to black. I loved it. I, I know <laughs> it, it's controversial. A lot of people say it was a terrible ending. I think it was an incredible ending in an incredible film. Best film of 2018 by far. 2018 <laughs> has its masterpiece. Uh, Paul Schrader, I don't know. He this he actually got nominated for the screenplay for this film. This is his first nomination ever. Huh. Which surprised me. Like, the dude wrote Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um... I will. I, I haven't got it yet. I'm planning on getting it at some point, but uh, this is this is one that I will come back to many, many times because I think it was just a incredible uh, experience. And I've been telling everyone to watch it, so I, I think it's great. So yeah, first reformed. <laughs> Very good. So out of my number one, mm-hmm. eighth grade. Yes, I knew it. <laughs> this would all this would have also been on my list yeah. if uh, you weren't already going to do that. <laughs> Written and directed by Bo Burnham of all things. of all people. <laughs> What business does he have making movies? He should be on stage with his little jokes. Uh, So this is about a teenage girl who Mm -hmm. is trying her hardest to belong at that age. Yeah. Which is probably the toughest time for most people. Yes. um, As the eighth grade is coming to an end and high school is going to begin, which... Mm -hmm. Uh, happens after this movie takes place. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's funny because this isn't about much. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, not a lot of things happen, per se. It's just a slice of life. Yeah, it's this young lady's, uh, yeah, like you said, life. Um, as she reaches that age, she starts pushing it back against the part of herself that's still a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she starts to, like, shed, shed her childhood and, uh, in the process, pushes back against the cool kids who yeah. she's been trying to, like keep their attention or fit in with as a lot of young people try to do. Right. Uh, but it said she, at least by the end, starts to embrace who she is. Yeah. Understand that she doesn't have to fit in. She right. just has to be happy because <laughs> trying to fit in is making her fucking miserable. <laughs> right. <laughs> so while watching this, as you start to identify with the main character, you will have feels and panic attacks. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I felt so bad for her. And yeah. You know, being under the scrutiny of such dismissive, cynical shits, you know, teenagers. Right, yeah. uh, I felt like I just needed to give her a hug. (laughs) Like, you know, listen, girl, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and give her an outlet for herself away from the soul-suffocating, identity-crushing experience that is the awkward time in our lives for young people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like... uh... I don't think I've connected with a character more this entire year than with the, the, the young girl in <laughs> yeah. this film. Uh, my, the scene that got me when she finally starts telling off the mean girls, yeah. there's a, a shot of her where, I was, what's wrong with her eyes? Are her eyes closed? I realized she wasn't looking them in the eye, which that got me because I'm someone who's had a big trouble looking people in the eye when I talk to them. Yeah. As I've gotten older, I've gotten better at it. But yeah. when you're that young, yeah, when you're a young, socially awkward kid... Like that's just one of those little details I think was so great because it, again it just it just hit me so close to home. Um, but but that's what makes this movie great—the little details. Yeah, right. <laughs> because not only were you know did Burnham observe them mm-hmm. and you know 
force them into the script, but then the cinematography and editing and directing, like all of the little awkward things are <laughs> focused on because like in any other like Hollywood movie, if anyone else tried to make this, <laughs> a lot of that stuff would have gotten glossed over. Oh, hell yeah. But it's like the little hesitations and the way lines are delivered. You can uh-huh. tell how awkward she feels <laughs> yeah. and how like, you know, anxious and, right. and worried and all those little things. Right. Um, yeah, and the acting is just oh that El- poor little girl. Elsie Fisher, <laughs> Elsie Fisher knocks it out of the park. Um, yeah, her acting and the writing is so on the nose, is so accurate yeah. to the way kids talk and the way kids act. Uh, right. I don't know much about Bur- Bur- Bo Burnham's comedy, but he clearly has a, a great ear for like young people's minutia. You know, like yeah. uh, just all the little things in there. It, it, it was so familiar. You know, <laughs> I, I think being a comedian kind of lends to that because it might, yeah. The whole idea of stand-up for most, I think, is to observe Mm -hmm. and bring attention to those things. Right. So I'm sure sitting in a room with an awkward teenager, you're going to notice all those little awkward mannerisms and (laughs) stuff. And that's at the heart of this film, I think. Right, yeah. It's the experience of being a young girl at that age, at that moment in her life, Mm -hmm. and how terrible and dreadful all of it is. But that's what makes it so real. Yeah. Because if you right. wiped all that away just to make an average movie. Right, right. It wouldn't even fucking be a movie. It would be worthless. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's this year's Lady Bird. It really is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think, yeah. So, yeah, watch it. I definitely had feels. And I'm like. Oh, yeah. This little girl. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm not going to cry. It's okay. I'm just going to get mad because I'm a good, tough guy. And I'm going to just imagine that I gave her a hug. Yeah. And that's how it's going to be. I remember after- <laughs> After you saw this, you told me that uh, this is why older brothers exist. Yeah, because she needed an older brother. Yeah. You know, she needed like a cooler, older person to talk to, and mm-hmm. yeah. you know, who she didn't have to worry about everything she said and everything yeah, she right. did. So. Yeah, it, it brought me back to my own eighth grade experience and made me so happy that I'll never have to relive that ever again oh, yeah. because it is the worst. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. That fag for about a year. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> which didn't even make sense. Yeah, <laughs> a friend and I were like friends uh, years before that, and our our school was seventh through twelfth. Oh like a yeah, lot of school right. Art, so we were like fresh. So we were like oh, hold on to each other for dear life. Yeah. So we didn't know anything. <laughs> right. So naturally, we were gay. <laughs> so that was fun. Oh my <laughs> but you know, life experiences exactly. like annihilation. You grow and it you grow, learn. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we should do the uh, was it the stinkies? The stinkies, yeah. Our our least favorite movie of the year. I had a lot of things in the running that I want to talk about, but one in particular because it's still getting so much praise, and I don't understand where it's coming from. <laughs> okay, it's Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, okay. I fucking I don't get it because i saw this in a packed theater and i was like this is awful it's just it's the same beat for beat biopic it's it's walk the line it's ray it's the doors it's whatever and people were eating it up they were laughing and crying and singing along with the songs and i was like (laughs) what the fuck is going on and then it starts winning awards and like ending up on critics top 10 lists and stuff it's like what the fuck is going on <laughs> and this movie pisses me off one because it's so I, I i hate saying boring because that's like the most bland criticism you can give but it's yeah. so boring has every famous musician lived the exact same life apparently <laughs> i think that might be why people like it because it's fam- familiar yes but like 
all this stuff was parodied in Walk Hard. Like, yeah, people right. need to see Walk Hard. More than 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and here's something that uh, I've heard people say, but I'm, I'm going to bring it up now. This movie is oddly homophobic, or maybe not homophobic, but like homo-averse. Because, okay, yeah. Freddie Mercury is bisexual, which already, that's a problem in movies because bisexual <laughs> people don't exist. They're either gay or they're straight. It's one or the other. Right. So, yeah, and this one, they just, they, they focus on the gay stuff. But it's, it's so weird in that I, I know the band itself was, like, heavily involved in the making of the movie. Yeah. So every, all the problems this band had in their, like, career and everything, they pretty much put on one guy. Yeah. Paul Prenter, who was a real person who really lived, who really did die of AIDS. Um, and I know he did out Freddie when they broke up. They had, a, they had a very bad breakup, and he sort of, like, got his revenge by going on TV and outing him on national TV. That's shitty. Yeah. But he's not, like, a monster. He, he's literally the source of all the band's strife. It's just this one guy. And it's it's weird because we're, like, pinning it on this, the one queer person in Freddie's life. So it's yeah, like right. All his, like, straight friends are like, Freddie, come to us. And he's like, no, he's with me now, watching horror as I take him to a leather bar. <laughs> you know? It's, just, it's so odd. It's like, maybe Freddie didn't want to hang out with you guys all the time. Maybe he wanted to have some queer time, you know? Right. <laughs> But yeah, it, it's so um, vanilla, and it, it's weird because Freddie was such a flamboyant figure, both in his music and in real life. I mean, this was the guy who supposedly once snuck Princess Diana into a gay bar. <laughs> like, just st- stories like that are fascinating, you know. And you know, it's it's just going to be a bland PG thirteen, you know, biopic. We're going to hit all the notes. We're going to play the songs, which, by the way, the, the soundtrack's great. Because, right. you know, last time I checked, Queen rocks. Right. Um, <laughs> but the movie itself is just so boring. And the fact that it made so much money and that people are, like, going nuts about it, it's setting a precedent. So get ready for Rocket Man, the Elton John story coming out oh, later yeah. this year. And following that, we're going to have Stardust, the David Bowie story oh, coming yeah, out. Yeah. So we're going to watch all these. Well, he might have a more interesting life. I hope. But <laughs> but who knows? Are they going to just do the Bohemian Rhapsody? That's what yeah. I'm afraid about. It's like. Here comes all these trailblazing, you know, queer icons, music icons, and their their movie's just going to be walk hard, but now it's serious. Like, <laughs> why why are people going so crazy about? It? Like, I feel like people have never seen a movie in their life, right? Or I, uh, behind the music, or or a few. <laughs> I said, if this is getting nominated for best picture, why didn't the VH1 behind the music <laughs> Def Leppard story get nominated for best picture? Because right. it did the exact same stuff this movie did, but this movie had a bigger budget. That's all it is. And you know, I'm not going to talk about the director. Okay, I will a little bit. Right, right. He's a fucking sleazebag. And the fact that we're one year removed from Me Too, and now this movie is getting yeah. so much recognition made by an alleged abuser, <laughs> but I'm going to use the alleged right, in really big it, quotations. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's sickening. I mean, I know he was fired before the movie was finished, but it still says in the credits, directed by Brian Singer, right, right. he still made $40 million off this movie's success. So <sighs> I know that now they're trying somewhere to pull his name from it. Which okay. I think is silly because that's like WWE pulling Hogan from the Hall right. of Fame. Like, what does that do? Is this going to be the people first... don't forget? Yeah. Is this going to be the first ever uh, Best Picture nominee directed by Alan Smithy? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah, um, again, probably not the worst movie of the year, but the one that pisses me off the most, and the one that just confuses me the most. I, I've never felt such a disconnect with an entire theater of people before. Uh, and I, I no sir, I don't like it. <laughs> so that's that's my rant about Walk Hard 2018. Right. 
So hearing you talk about that taught me two things. Yep. Uh, they the reasons bands fail are Yoko Ono and the gays. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize. All right, so for my stinky award, uh-huh. it goes to the Predator. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I was gonna pick Slenderman. Okay, yeah. But goddamn, the the Predator was just so unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, it had so much. It could have been anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the movie has its enjoyable moments, but um, it's a piss poor follow up to the original films. Right. Uh, so much of the that's the an understatement, by yeah. the way. <laughs> so much of the characters' motivations are questionable, yeah. and like the ending was such, it was so laughable <laughs> that I just wish it wasn't made. Yeah, I, I honestly halfway through I thought Shane Black was trolling us. I thought that he was just making fun of the movie that he was making because it was so bad. <sighs> but that seems like an excuse. Um, but like all the main characters, they're so goofy at any point. <laughs> You could say before, like, the final, like, uh, climax, because right. then they're invested. But, like, leading up to them getting involved in stuff, like, no one has any motivation <laughs> to right. go after this alien. Right. They're just going to do it. <laughs> you know, Olivia Munn's character, like, the, the alien breaks out, and she's, like, chasing it. You're a scientist. Yeah, right. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, it's one of a kind in research. So you're going to parkour all the way to the fucking Predator? Get real. Right. Yeah, weirdest tone of a movie. Like, for some reason, it decided to be some sort of, like, wacky comedy. Yeah. I don't... The funny parts were funny, but the whole time I'm like, why are these here? (laughs) You know? Like, I get it. You want to work in a joke or two. Like, the original had funny moments, funny lines. But, like... It wasn't a comedy, though. Right. (laughs) This movie's got key in it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the strangest and the biggest letdown because I was like, hey, a Predator movie directed by Shane Black. I love Shane Black. I love Predator. He he knows what's up. And then I saw it and I was like, what the fuck? I, like halfway through, I almost expected it to be Shane Black just on camera like, surprise, tricked you. This shitty movie is like not real. Now here's the real <laughs> Predator. <you know>? Right. <laughs> if that happened, I'd have been like, bravo, Shane. Bravo. <laughs> but no, this was the real The Predator. Yeah. I want to Everything die. we were hoping for, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so the Predator outstung Slenderman. Yeah. And even Sharknado, it's about time, fared better. Because <laughs> after all, it had Fabio playing the Pope. Of course. <laughs> which is, you know, just so fucking nuts. I love it. <laughs> Sharknado would have only been bad. Well, I mean, they're all bad, but. Yeah, yeah. Like, it would have only been disappointing if it did the opposite of, or I guess the same thing, if you look at it, as right. The Predator, it was serious. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. Been like, what is this? Yeah. Right. Where there's just a scientist, like, there's sharks in a tornado. Scientifically, that's, like, unfeasible because the weight of the average shark. And... Right. <laughs> Where's that movie? <laughs> I don't know. So, yeah. Anything else to add with the Predator? Don't see it. <laughs> good, good answer. Eventually, the ending that's so laughable will be on YouTube. Yeah. If it isn't already. <laughs> and just watch that and just laugh your ass off. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. It looks like while filming, they hired Hasbro to make toy lines. <laughs> yes. And then they put one of the toys in the fucking movie. <laughs> Oh, what a shit show. Uh, it's ass. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so our top pick. Yes, the stabby. Isn't that what we're calling yeah, it? Yeah, the stinky and, and the stabby. Yeah, I, 
I think through process of elimination, you probably have guessed what our, our slaughter film best of the there movie is. There could only be one left. There could be only one. It, it's Mandy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when I saw this movie, I was like, holy shit, this is going to be the one that everyone on our website's talking about. <laughs> it is fucking nuts and amazing, and it's Nicolas Cage at his most unhinged. <laughs> right, yeah. It's just, from start to finish, so entertaining. Yeah. But it also, from like a filmmaking standpoint, there's a lot of like God. really interesting things going it's on. It's beautiful looking, first of all. And like, then when you start to get comfortable with like this really well, well-acted well-made, well-acted movie. Right. Then there's a Cheddar Goblin. Yeah, just Cheddar Goblin shows up. <laughs> like, it's anything you could ever want in a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's kind of uh, raw and kind of, like, uneven, but that's that's the point of yeah, it. That, that's kind right. of, like, how it... It's almost like two movies in one. It is. And strangely enough, I think I like the first half more than the... I mean, the second half's amazing because it's just so out there. Yeah. But that first half is so dreamlike and it so is. just... Again, it's gorgeous to it's look like at. It's almost hypnotic. You know? It's strange. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to rewatch this. Yes. I, I, I rewatched it like about a week ago just yeah. to prepare for this. And I like it even better the second time. Um, yeah. Um, it's got crazy S&M Cenobite bikers. And <laughs> Nicolas Cage forges his own axe. And right, um, right. it's got a sword fight. But instead of swords, they're chainsaws. Like, what more can we say? <laughs> uh, Bill Dukes in it. Yes. Oh, speaking of Predator. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. The... <laughs> Yeah, you brought um, it up. What's up? You brought up the Predator. Oh, I'm sorry. I we put it behind. Us. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to give you PTSD. It was like the good Predator <laughs> element for this this year. Yeah, right. Um, it has like heavy metal animations at points. Yeah, just out of nowhere, <laughs> like, like between acts. I guess. Yeah, again, like so much of it is so convoluted. Like, how does the Cheddar Goblin fit in? But somehow it fits it in so is. perfectly. It's one of those things. Okay, so. <laughs> If you haven't seen it, it's just a commercial. Yeah. For uh, <laughs> macaroni, macaroni cheese. cheese. <laughs> and so like a lot of movies that might have a made-up commercial in them. Right. <laughs> this one has a fucking cheddar goth. <laughs> but what I think is so funny about it, it isn't just something that plays in the background. No. At the moment in which Nicolas Cage is going through the most like heartbreak and <laughs> his, strife. His lowest point. <laughs> the television happens to be on, and he... It, the Cheddar Goblin catches his attention. Yeah. And, like, he goes from crying and screaming and being drunk and Nicolas Cage yeah. to just, Cheddar Goblin. Yeah. <laughs> like, the whole movie stops so that he can watch Cheddar Goblin. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is how I sold this movie to friends. I tell them, uh, here's the thing about Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage is insane, and he works best with the filmmakers that know how to utilize that insanity into right. a, a good story. You know, He's a tool, and you have to know how to use the exactly. tool. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, you're hammered with a screwdriver. Yeah. That shit isn't going to work. And this movie knows how to use its Nicolas Cage for the best. <laughs> um, yeah, just a, again, like technically masterful film, which is also an all-around entertaining and insane film. Uh, someone said, someone was comparing action movies to heavy metal genres, which I yeah. support that. They said... Um, <laughs> If Mad Max Fury Road was thrash metal, then Mandy is black metal. Oh, yeah, I think that's a That's a really good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. And uh, I know the it, its creator... Um, uh, Panos Cosmatos. Yes. He said in an interview that it's very much about uh, the male ego. Okay, I definitely see so that. So our hero and our villain, like, all that's played out. And yes. so that really elevates some of the things that do they do in this film that are kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. Because to a guy who might be egocentric, that's going to seem normal. <laughs> right, yeah. And so 
keep that mind or don't whatever i don't know no i i i, I definitely mean, got that yeah. yeah um i also got a little bit this is me being a pretentious douche or whatever but i got a little bit of like the myth of orpheus because like the more he goes to like get his revenge like yeah. the deeper and deeper he kind of goes into the underworld yeah to again without giving too much away but how, how can you give anything away in this movie he, he <laughs> more so much. yeah he more or less becomes a demon by the end yeah. i think like by the end he's like barely using words anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah very, that could have been the bottle of uh vodka yeah. <laughs> yeah very fascinating like descent into hell kind of yeah. um but yeah just watch it for the visuals alone like visually it's uh, amazing but uh it also just has amazingly insane stuff and amazingly insane Nicolas Cage, and it's yes. amazingly insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that rounds out this year's top 23. Yeah, 23, If you want to count the stinkies. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, check. I uh, got a lot of movies to check out. Um, 2018 was a really interesting year in film, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff from all over the place that was really good. I so, think a lot of really creative people made the most mm-hmm. of Me Too. <laughs> yeah, right. As you can <laughs> tell by our, our list of films here. Yeah, really. Because <laughs> it wasn't just like, you know, oh, a uh, strong female character, that's the movie, yeah. and it was generic. Like, these <laughs> right. were all good and had them. So. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, check them out. Yeah. We're out of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>